Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill. And this is a podcast about all the dumb things that people will do for love. So welcome to episode 141. We're back. And I am an idiot. <laughs> big, dumb, idiot. Uh, uh, you guys, so when we record um, remotely, so we're recording remotely right now, Sally will send me a link. I'll, we set up our headphones, our microphones, whatever. I And then when I sign on, um, sometimes Sally will set up and walk away. Sometimes Sally will set up and be there. So I always, to check if Sally's there, I always do the same really obnoxious. Um, I go, hello. <laughs> <laughs> as obnoxiously as I can. And so today there was some kind of a weird echo on the, on the, Computer, I don't know how I don't know how any of this works. That's why I have Sally. So there was some kind of a weird echo. So I thought when I went hello, and then like two seconds go by, and then I hear hello. I thought she was saying it back. To, I had what full is what I on, usually do, and then I was like, oh my god, you're getting so good at this. Oh my god, I'm like, you really sound like me. I had a full on conversation with myself for like good six long sentence conversation <laughs> with myself thinking it was Sally. I wish <laughs> I wish I had been recording at that point. I know. I know. <laughs> All I like I got back to the table and I just like hear you laughing <laughs> at yourself. It's so loud I can hear it through my headphones. <laughs> I know. I was going, Sal, Sal. And then it was saying back to me, Sal. And I was like, all right, come on, Sally. (laughs) This isn't funny anymore, Sally. It's not funny. Stop copying me. Time is money. We're both very busy. Let's record. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Yeah. I love it. I'm sure I've done the same. Um, Oh, God, that's great. I uh, um, so we have something else to talk about, Jen. We do, and I'm like <laughs> in shock right now. Uh, okay. So I sent you a nice little video this morning because yes. at 10 a.m. I had myself some leftover spaghetti nice. with cheddar on it, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make this as look as appetizing as possible. And you know I what it, it did? It was like white cheddar and it looked very like mozzarella parmigiani. So I wasn't that upset about it. Yeah. I put it in like, I put it in a, a homemade, a, a bowl I made myself. I noticed. Next to a vase I made myself. I noticed. I shredded some cheese for you, some white sharp cheddar. There were some flowers in the background. There were some flowers. I set it to music. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to you, and you still said, no, you're not going to try it. So I took it to our Instagram, <laughs> and we have been polling the people. The like people are you, the people are on your side. Well, barely. Well, They're barely on my I side. I will say it's split. So Michael B., who is a friend of mine, co- commented, and he is Filipino, and he said that this is actually a Filipino dish. Which makes sense because yeah. I used to live in the Philippines. So that does make sense. Right? So and then maybe. Who else said something? So, so far on my side, Marcy H. Projects, Megan in the Bay. These are all their Instagram handlers. Okay. Handles. Me, obviously. Yeah. Hailstagram, our friend Reed Oh my Burke, God, you're winning. And Alana Marie. All on my side. On your side, though, is Voss Sanchez. Who, Thank you, Voss. Right? Who I can I always say, count on Voss. He's a bit of a foodie. He so is. that that's like a blow for my side. You, bit of a foodie. Blow for my side. Uh, Kristen voted no. Pure Moods, no. And Miss Jackie Evan, no. Or maybe it's Miss Jackie Van. Either way, all of those people don't have no sense of adventure, no sense of whimsy, <laughs> don't like... Uh, obviously comforting food. 
What is wrong with you? You know, I just, I I love it for you. I don't love it for me. Okay? I love it for you, though. Enjoy. And you're like, this would make my tummy hurt. Enjoy. (laughs) I just, I would, I wouldn't. Here's what I want to know. I want everybody, I want you to tell me and I want everybody else to tell me what is their weird food thing? What is your weird food combo that people are going to be like, oh, it's disgusting to you about? I will try it, Jen. I'll tell you what I do and it includes cheddar cheese. Okay. Do you want to know what is a weird food combo that I think is delicious? Yes. If you're going to get an egg and cheese bagel sandwich, I get an egg cheddar cheese on a cinnamon raisin bagel. Sweet and salty. I swear to God, it's so good. <laughs> I'll tell you what. It's I'm so not good. mad at the sweet and saltiness of it. I'm mad at the raisins. I do to do with raisins. Cinnamon raisin bagels are the best. I also love an everything bagel. Another weird f- food thing that I do, which is funny because my sister-in-law was laughing at me when we were on vacation, is I always have everything's, everything seasoning on my person. On everything. On my purse. It's, it's always with me. <laughs> just like in your purse. You have like a clutch and it's just your phone, <laughs> tube lipstick and everything. And and everything. <laughs> you have a travel size. I do. I keep it in like a little um, like glocket around my neck and I just open it up and just spill everything seasoning onto whatever I'm eating. And you refuse to take it off when you make out with guys? Yeah. Like my story last week, you're like, no, this is my everything seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just show some fucking respect. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Respect <laughs> the garlic salt. And Listen, anyway. I will try I will try your um, your cinnamon raisin bagel Okay. with egg and cheese on it. Okay. I'll try it. I'll, I'll tell you it's going to be disgusting. And I'll try your spaghetti. The devil's food. We'll do it at the same time. All right. Okay. <laughs> That'll be the best podcast ever. <laughs> Just us eating stuff. Just us eating like, yeah, I, did, I knew I wasn't going to like this and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I want you guys tell us what's your weird food thing. And we're going to see if we can, maybe we'll do some, a bunch of polls and see yeah, everybody else to feel, right? Who Let's doesn't do love it. food polls? You guys, let us know. What's your weird food combo? We're going to put it to the people on Instagram because they have somewhat mildly accepted mine. Also, it's 555. <laughs> five, 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 five. Oh, it's 555 right now? Yeah. This is perfect. Okay. (laughs) Something's happening. Send us your weird food thing. Yes. Okay. Let's get into our quickies. Okay. So I'm going first this week. um, And my quickie comes from an article for insider.com written by Taylor Odd. My dog just turned the TV on. I swear to God, at 555, my dog just figured out how to turn the TV on. This is Ruth. the thing we've been building for. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Ruth, let's get you on Letterman. So Did you hear that? <laughs> yes. Okay, hold on. I'll be right back. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm back. Okay. She was just looking at me like, are you kidding? Like when I should <laughs> She was like, I'm you're just gonna shut it off how to turn on the TV without opposable thumbs, and you're gonna shut me down, shut it off. (laughs) I am a miracle dog. I'm sorry, Ruthie. Okay, but have you heard of this? Um, well, we're not really YouTubers, you and I, we're not really TikTokers, you and I either. We're on TikTok, but we're not really good. I mean, we're sometimes on TikTok, I have kind of (laughs) quit. TikTok. <laughs> I mean, I'll get back on there, you guys. Don't worry. We're going to put some hot banging content on there any day now. Well, so banging. Um, uh-huh. So apparently there's some YouTube challenge that's called the 24-hour overnight challenge in Target. Okay. Where, yeah. So I guess where people have to try to spend the night in Target. So a YouTuber couple, a 24-year-old Charlotte Fisher and 25-year-old Johnson LaRose, who go by the name of Saucy and Honey, were uh-huh. arrested uh, last week and charged with conspiracy and third-degree criminal trespassing. When they talked to Charlotte about... Uh, the arrest she said i mean no regrets just living life and having fun it's kind of sad that it all ca- that 
all this came out of it. We were expecting a fine, nothing crazy. So this couple broke into Target. So at one point, an alarm did go off and the police did respond to the Target location, which was in Chester County in Pennsylvania. Um, but when they arrived to the scene, they, they didn't see anything. They couldn't find anything. So they leaved. But the next day, the security footage showed um, oh, yeah. this couple in the Target. So apparently- Just like sneak around, like giggling like idiots. Just like- well, it showed them hiding behind boxes before employees left for the night that night. So they didn't uh-huh. really break in. They like, um, I guess, stayed. They were stowaways. Yes. They were stowaways. And then it showed them roaming around the store with their flashlights. Um, and at one point in the video, um, apparently they took a nap behind their box fort that they made. How cute. <laughs> and so um, what's funny is that the challenge was called 24 Hours in a Target. but the And that's what they projected on their YouTube video that they did. But the footage actually showed that they left the building through an exit at 3 a.m. And that's when they set off the alarm. And then they came back to the store at 8 o'clock at 8 a.m. And so they didn't know they had set the alarm off. They came back at 8 a.m. to like wrap up their video and be like, yeah, man, that was crazy that we just spent the night at Target. But um, they actually didn't. So not only did they get arrested and they they could be facing up to seven years in prison. Oh for this and break-in. they're like just a bunch of fucking frauds. Yeah. But yeah, apparently yes. before the couple, they had 17,700 subscribers. But after the news got out about their arrest, now they have 20,000 subscribers. <laughs> so worth it, man. So was seven years so in prison so worth, worth it. Worth 3,000 <laughs> subscribers? Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. I don't know. I don't have 20,000 or 17,000 subscribers to anything. Which You know, sauce, right. Saucy and Honey are just, you know, <laughs> no regrets, just living their lives. <laughs> Maybe um, we need some cool names like Saucy and Honey. <laughs> Maybe that's where we're... That's where we've gone long, that, long, so long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, man, YOLO. 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 <laughs> uh, all right. Well, my quickie, I thought that this would um, appeal to you, Jen. Okay. Because I know you had a short stint as a well-known porch pirate in your neighborhood. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if Very guys, well-known. I don't, if you haven't listened to... If you haven't listened to all our episodes, which why not? Jen got caught by a neighbor stealing her own package off as his porch. <laughs> and she ended up like it ended up on like was it on like next he put door? it on he put the footage on next door and said, Have yeah. you seen this woman <laughs> porch pirating on a Saturday morning or something? And I was like, No, dude, that's just me getting my package that you keep getting my package every <laughs> you're out of town. That's my package. It's me, Jen. It's me, your neighbor. You know me. <laughs> you idiot. Um, so this is also about a porch pirate. Um, so maybe you'll have some some sympathy for her. But okay, so this couple, Ronnie and Amy Corsi, Avon and Deanna, were pulling into the driveway on Sunday afternoon with their kids, and they saw a truck in the driveway. And Amy was like, no one should be there. We're with the kids. Everyone was together. But then they see this woman coming off of their porch and she has a box in her hand. And Amy was like, we knew exactly what to do. She screamed at her husband. She was like, block her in, block her in. She's stealing. And so Ronnie blocks the car in and then he gets out of the car to confront her. And the woman was like, um, I'm here to see Andrea. And Ronnie was like, you know, this isn't Andrea's house and you may want to give me that package back. And so and then she did give the package back. But then the woman saw that the couple were um, calling 911 and uh-huh. she was like, oh, and so she got in her pickup truck. And since it was blocked in, she actually drove through their front yard to get out and then Amy was like get in the car and so with their kids in the car Amy and Ronnie get in the car and she says get in we're chasing her and she then Amy says the race was on so they actually followed 
I apologize. You can hear, can you hear that? Uh, yeah, but it's setting like a really cool mood. Like the oh, race okay. was on. <laughs> okay, the race was on. And so <laughs> then the couple followed um, the black pickup truck out of the subdivision. <gasps> and the whole time, she, Amy is on the phone with the police. She's giving the license plate number, the vehicle description. And because they had a, a ring camera, they were able to send the video of the person. And they had taken oh a my picture God. of her. So they were like ready and you could see on the video you can see her taking the package Uh um so police find her and they and not long after two out like within two hours they arrested 41 year old brownsburg resident melissa solomon and they charged her with theft and criminal mischief Amy said, I think there were a lot of people out there that had their packages stolen by her because she knew what she was doing. She had her head covered. So basically she had a hoodie on. So they were like, she knew what she was doing. Wow. Um, and Amy and Ronnie have a special special message on their front door for other people who might be thinking about stealing packages. It says there's a picture of the woman, her mugshot. Um, a picture of her stealing the package and the mugshot. And it says the last person who took the package from my porch, this is her two hours later. Think twice. Oh my God. That's a bit much. (laughs) Uh, So uh, I loved that. Like, okay. So then Ronnie said, you just don't want someone else to suffer or fall victim to a thief. Nobody likes a thief. At the same time, you hope she gets the help she needs and finds a better place. Also, I hope she burns in hell. <laughs> but like nice hell. Like like if hell were like a really trafficy highway, not like burning in fire, you know. Like a long line at the post office. Like yeah. that kind of hell. <laughs> Just like your kid making the same noise for like two minutes. Like, eh. yeah. like that kind of hell. <laughs> not like torture. Right, right. <laughs> that's awesome i love yeah. that okay so that's my quickie good one hey sally hey sally oh no <laughs> liar <laughs> i'm not gonna fall for it this time <laughs> sally. um are you ready for a crazy story this week i am ready for a crazy story what do you got for me great um my story this week comes from an article for the Cinemaholic, an uh-huh. article for the LA Times written by Tracy Wilson, an episode of Snapped Killer Couples. Yeah. <laughs> um, an episode of Forensic Files, and then an, also an article for ForensicFilesNow.com. Okay. So, look, a lot of research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> So Diana Hahn grew up in Port Wanamay, California. Have you ever heard of it? Nope. Port Wanamay. It's spelled like H-U-E-N-E-M-E. I had to spell it out forensic, phoretically. (laughs) (laughs) Phonetically. Oh my God. Forensically. (laughs) Phonetically. I investigated myself. But it's pronounced Wanamay. Diana grew up in a very loving home. She had a really good family and a really good life, but she was she didn't quite fit in at school because she was kind of like um her mother was Japanese and her dad was Caucasian so she had like dark uh darker skin tone and darker hair and yeah. apparently um they said that everybody in Port Wanamay at the time was like it was like the blonde hair blue eyed California girl yeah you know so she kind of didn't she didn't think of herself as fitting in and so she was sort of mousy and shy but then when she was 15 years old um when she was at school, a basketball backboard actually fell on her and it fell and hit her on the head. It was a very serious injury and she was actually in a coma for, there's two different reports. One says that she was in a coma for a few weeks. One says that she was in a coma for a few days, but either way, a coma is a big deal. Right, right, right. And so, um, but when she came out of the coma, um, she, they said that that's when her life just she totally changed directions in her life. She decided like, I'm not going to be the, the shy mousy girl anymore. I'm not going to take a back seat. I'm like, I'm going to live life to the fullest. So they said that she became like very, um, she became outgoing and extroverted. They said she was started dressing differently and wearing makeup. Like she, she's all that at herself. Oh, okay. Yeah. She was was like, like, I don't need a man. Yeah. 
No, I can I'm take I can take my hair out of my ponytail. By yeah, myself. like she took out her ponytail and <laughs> took, took her off glasses her glasses off, and was like, and she was like, "Oh my god, Rachelie <laughs> Cook!" And so um, after she uh, came out of her shell, apparently she became very popular, and she decided to pursue modeling. After she graduated from high school, she went to college and she did very well. She was actually on the dean's list, but apparently she cared more about modeling and wanted to be a model, so she dropped out of school to become a model. And it's a very tough business. I myself know as a former hand model that it is a very (laughs) tough business. Uh So apparently she didn't get that much work. She got some print work, but not what she was hoping for. So to make ends meet, she would wait tables and she worked at the post office. She just got a lot of um, different jobs um, to pay the bills. But by the time she was 32 years old, she decided that, you know, maybe it's time to give up modeling because it really wasn't working out for her. So in um, December of 1993, she started working at a deli counter at a supermarket. And that's where she met her manager, Michael Daly. Michael also grew up in Port Juanme. His dad was Hispanic and his mother was Japanese. Um, he grew up in a very good family. And he also, you know, stood out a little more amongst the blonde-haired, blue-eyed surfer dudes. But right. um, and apparently everybody called him Hawaiian Mike, even though he's not Hawaiian, which is uh-huh. very racist. <laughs> yeah. So um, I know. Right. And so, but apparently he was like super charming and everybody loved him. He was like such a ladies man and the most popular guy in his school. They said that he had tons of girlfriends. One day in high school, he ended up meeting a girl in his class named Sherry Guess. Sherry was like this sweet, shy, kind of meek personality. And there was Mm. something about her that made him want to protect her is what they said. When he met Sherry, he just kind of gave up all the other girls and was like, no, this is the girl and I want to like take care of her. And so that was it for him. He gave up all the other ladies and him and Sherry got together. And then they ended up moving in together after high school. They got married. 10 years after they met, they ended up um, in 1998, they had their first son. And then two years later, they had another son. So Sherry was a stay-at-home mom. She also ran a daycare, but um, Michael was kind of, I guess, essentially the breadwinner of the family. And he needed, and he was working at a supermarket at the time. And then he ended up taking a management position so that he could better support his family. Yeah. Gil and Sherry struggled um, with money. They lived paycheck to paycheck. Things weren't always easy in their household because they were struggling a lot with money. Yeah. Um, And then in December of 1993, that's when Michael meets Diana, the new ex-model that just started working at the deli counter right so he was the manager she was the new hire at the deli counter and she was very she was young and attractive he was very charming and flirtatious and the two like hit it off Uh, they said that they also really bonded over the fact that they were both half japanese and had that in common especially growing up in such a blonde-haired blue-eyed white neighborhood, I guess. Yeah. They said that that was a a bonding um, element for them. And so within just days of meeting each other, they ended up having a full on affair. And so for six months, it was in secret, but apparently they got tired of lying and sneaking around. So in the summer of 1995, they ended up coming out as a couple and um, Michael ended up leaving his wife. He told Sherry that he left her and he told her that he needed time to be alone and he needed to think, but he really Mm -hmm. just moved right into Diana's apartment. And apparently while he was living with Diana, they were just kind of like, a party couple they partied all the time apparently yeah. he did a lot of cocaine um and you know he didn't make a lot of money and coke is expensive and then he um also decided like he his plan was to divorce sherry and be with diana and but he realized that he couldn't when he realized that he would have to ch- pay child support and right. pay for his life with Diana, that there was no way that he could afford it and he couldn't afford the divorce. So he ended up crawling back to his wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in idiot. the fall, idiot. So in the fall of 1995, he moved back in with Sherry. Diana was devastated because she was in love with him, but he just could not afford to, to leave her, which yeah. is shitty. 
he continued to live with Sherry, but still see Diana on the side. And then on May 6, 1996, Sherry went out to run errands at Target and never came home. So Michael called, got worried because she didn't come home and called the police and tried to report her as missing. But the police told them that it hadn't been 72 hours yet, so it was too soon to file the report. So he ended up getting a bunch of family and friends to start searching for her. And then when one of their friends found Sherry's vehicle in the Target parking lot, they saw that her keys were in the ignition and that her ID was in the car and that the Target shopping bags were also in the car, but that Sherry was nowhere to be found. And so, um, so that with all of that evidence in her missing, that was enough for the police to finally report her as a missing person. They started to investigate and they talked to the employees at the store and employees at the store said that they saw Sherry leaving the store earlier in the day, but that when she was in the parking lot, they saw a blonde cop walk up to Sherry, put her in handcuffs and put her in the back seat of a car. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't a uniformed cop. Maybe it was an undercover cop is what they had thought. Mm-hmm. When the police were like, what? She was arrested. Who who arrested her? They looked into police records, but they saw that there were no records. It had to have been somebody impersonating a police officer. So Michael called the news uh, local news station and went on TV pleading for help to find his missing wife. And when the police asked Sherry's family and friends about what they knew about Sherry, like, you know, who might want to kidnap her? Did she, was she leading a double life, you know? And -hmm. everybody was like, no, she's absolutely perfect. But Michael is a piece of shit coke addict who cheats on his wife. (laughs) Like everybody immediately was like, fuck Michael. It was him. And so um, they said that he made her absolutely miserable, not only by cheating on Sherry, he apparently was so sick and he rubbed it in her face. Um, Like when he went back to her and was living with her, he had a pillow made with Diana's face on it. (gasps) Yeah. And he would sleep with it in their bed. Like what the fuck? And so- Sherry ended up like, you know, losing her, like losing it, you know, of course she would. And so she had enough. And at one point she went up to the grocery store that they worked at and she confronted Diana and, you know, was like, stay away from my husband, stay away from my family. So police then knew about this other woman named Diana. But when they looked into Diana, they were like, but wait, she's a brunette. And the person that arrested her was a blonde so it couldn't have been diana uh-huh. <laughs> and then the police questioned the co-workers at the grocery store and they told them the police said diana had actually taken off work that day um and and again all of michael's employees were like oh yeah that guy's a piece of shit he does a lot of coke <laughs> and he sleeps with prostitutes all the time <laughs> And so the police were like, so was it a blonde prostitute? Because it couldn't have been Diana because she's a brunette. And so the police, when they were talking to the Target employees, they were able to get a good description of the car that they saw this woman drive Sherry off in. And so they checked with local car rental agencies about like a, this particular car and who had, who had rented it out. And they were able to track down a car that fit that very same description that was rented the very day before the kidnapping and returned the very day after. And it was rented by Diana Hahn. Uh-huh. And they were like, but she has brown hair. <laughs> I don't, I mean, that doesn't make it possible. Case closed. <laughs> so they, they ended up searching the vehicle because the vehicle was on site and they, they searched and they were able to find blood in the car. It looked like it had been tried, like somebody had tried to clean it up, but there was enough blood that they were able to get a sample. And so while they were waiting on um, the blood sample to come back, they went to Diana's apartment. And when they got there, she answered the door wearing lingerie. Mm -hmm. And then they see Michael in the back of the apartment wearing boxers. And the police are just like, do you know any blonde ladies? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I shouldn't joke about it. They're like, do you know any blonde ladies that might want to kidnap Michael's wife? No, but they asked her about the rental car. It was rented by a check by Diana. Oh, okay. And so they yeah, asked really was her. was the 90s. Yeah. And so they asked her about it. Let me just it. pull out my checkbook and rent this car. I know. <laughs> 
Um, and she told the police that her checkbook was stolen and that somebody must else must have stolen the checkbook and rented the Probably. car. How Probably specific. a blonde lady. Yeah. Did she, did she have blonde hair? <laughs> and she also told the police that she couldn't have done that because she was riding her bike that day. And she had proof that she was riding her bike that day because she had fallen off her bike and she had a scratch on her head. <laughs> so did you see it? Did you see the scratch? <laughs> it was proof. Couldn't have been me. So when the lab test came back, um, it did prove that the blood in the car did belong to Sherry Daly. Yeah. Which is heartbreaking, and but with no evidence, no real evidence against Diana, except for the check that was written to rent the car. They uh-huh. still couldn't arrest her. They had to let her go, and they were just like, you know, let us know if you run into any blonde ladies out there on the street <laughs> who could have done this. Finally, on June 1st, two people, because there were multiple search parties actively looking for um, Sherry, you know, for months. But on June 1st, two people from the search party sadly found the body of Sherry Daly. It appeared that she had been stabbed many times in the chest and nearly decapitated. I know, it's horrible. The police know that Diana had something to do with it, but they still just needed to prove it. And so they ended up getting a search warrant to check her bank records. And when they looked at the checkbook that Diana had used to rent the car, they also saw that she had written several other checks leading up to the day of Sherry's disappearance. Uh Uh-huh. Was one at Wigtown, USA? Yeah. (laughs) One was for an axe and one was for a blonde wig. Yeah. Like, she just, like, wrote checks Uh for every piece of the murder. I mean, it's just mind-boggling to me how, what an idiot she could be. So all of these checks were written from her checkbook with her signature. And on August 1st, 1996, she was arrested for the murder of Sherry Daly. And so it's looking like it was all Diana that did the the angry ex-girlfriend, the crazy ex-girlfriend. Yeah. But then- Jen, um, I'm not buying it. You know? And it was a woman named Sally Lowe, who was (gasps) Sally- Uh, One of Michael's ex-girlfriends came down to the police station and told the police that she had been having an affair with Michael for three years. And while they were together, he had tried to get Sally to kill Sherry for him. She also said that he had choked her on two occasions and had tried to coerce her into giving him money. So he sounds like a real piece of shit that I don't understand why everybody is really into. Yes. Why? 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 I guess I don't cocaine. Know. I guess maybe. And so um, she told the police that they had broke up. And so she never really thought much about the murder. But then when she saw the murder on the news, she knew that she had to come forward and tell the police about it. She knew that he had something to do with it. Yeah. Now they have to prove that Michael did have something to do with it. So when they looked into their phone records, they saw that at the time of the kidnapping, that they were ping ponging, like calling each other back and forth the entire time. So as if he was like leading her through it. Uh huh. Also, they saw that days after Sherry went missing, Michael had filed for a separation, which is weird. And yeah. um, and then he had also started looking into cashing in Sherry's retirement funds. Like, who does that when their wife is missing and you're on the yeah. news? Pl- yeah, it's so. Yeah. No. And so on November 15, 1996, Michael Daly was arrested for first degree murder and kidnapping. During Diana's trial, prosecutors claimed that Diana um, was waiting for Sherry outside of the store that she was shopping at, approached Sherry, and then pretended to arrest her for things that Michael had done. Oh, we found drugs in your house. Like something enough to stop Mm. her because she knew that Michael was like a seedy character. Right. You know? She was like, oh, there probably are drugs in her Yeah. House. And so yeah. they put um, this person, uh, Diana, put Sherry into handcuffs, then put her in the back of the car, drove to a remote area. And while Sherry was handcuffed and strapped in her seat, Diana murdered her. So it's just like heartbreaking because she was completely defenseless. Yeah. And on September 26, 1997, the jury found Diana Haunt guilty of conspiracy, kidnapping, and murder. And she was given a a life sentence. 
Um, and in April of 1998, Michael went to trial and his defense tried to claim that Diana was a psycho ex-girlfriend that acted alone. And by the way, when Diana was in court, she tried to claim that it was um, Michael that stole her checkbook and hired a prostitute to kill Sherry, that she had nothing to do with it. It was all Michael. So they both turned on each other, which is crazy because it's like you guys are planning someone. a murder. Yeah. For each other, and then you turn on each other in a dime. It's just yeah. like on a dime. It's just uh, like someone lost their lives because you guys are such fucking idiots and so selfish. And yeah, I don't know. It just it's heartbreaking. And she was a mother to two boys. I know. That's, That's the thing I keep thinking about. Those poor I know. Kids. I know. The. Jury wasn't buying Michael Daly's crazy psycho ex-girlfriend story, and he was also found guilty of first-degree murder, kidnapping, and conspiracy. They will both spend life in prison. They both had tried to appeal, and both were denied. It's just, it's just so twisted. Diana had said in an interview when she was interviewed at the Ventura County Jail, she said, the Mike I had fallen in love with back then never existed. It was all false. Um, so... It's just who's to say if it was Mike that really like got in her head and co- coerced her and convinced her to do it. Either way, she did it. Yeah, and they're both guilty. And as for Mike and Sherry's sons, they went on to live with their paternal grandparents who raised them. And in in March of 1998, the Superior Court awarded her children $6.4 million in a judgment against Diana Hahn, but it's unclear whether or not they ever saw any of the money. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. So Wow. Well, that's a real fucking depressing story. I know. It is depressing. <laughs> you no, know, not all of our... Uh, Crazy stories have a happy ending. That's what makes them crazy. <laughs> it's the rare one. You told us the rare unhappy ending. I know. Well, I'm going to bring Sorry. it back up. Okay. I'm going to bring us back. Please Happy do. Town. We need a happy town. All right. Okay. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. You ready for a love story? I am very much. This one is apple pie. Great. It is uh, some of our bread and butter of old people finding each other again. (laughs) So. Oh, good. uh, I found my information from Spectrum Local News 1 by Taylor Newman from People.com by Diane Herbst, which I feel like we've been doing lots of stories that she wrote lately. She must be on the love beat. Um, NBC 12 by Bill O'Neill. Okay, so Jim Spates first laid eyes. Great name, Bill O'Neill. Right? Great name. Jim Spates first laid eyes on Vivian White Butler in 1964 at Dudley High School in Greensboro, North Carolina. And Jim was the new kid in town. And Vivian said that all the girls would go out to the baseball field after school and watch the boys play. And Vivian is out there one day and she spots Jim and she cannot stop staring at him. (laughs) And one of her friends caught her staring and was like, who are you looking at? And Vivian said, I don't know, but I want him. And she got him. She like immediately started pursuing him. And he was like, yeah, I'm I'm into you too. The two dated for two years. He was, he's a few years older. So he was an upperclassman. So it was made it even more, more of a catch. Oh yeah. And Vivian said, we used to sit on the porch. He would walk me to school and carry my books. Every time I'd see him, I'd light up like a Christmas tree. We'd get so excited about one another. And I can just imagine like, that's so cute. Just the like giddiness of a first love. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jim moved to Greensboro to live with his family. And, but and then in 1966, two years into their romance, he got word that his mother, who was still living in New Jersey, was suffering from complications with diabetes. Aww. So Jim sat Vivian down and he told her that he had made the decision to go back to Patterson, New Jersey to care for his mother. Vivian cried and Jim told her that he would be back for her. Um, but this was, you know, 1966, like he was in his early twenties and she was just graduating from high school and keeping in touch was almost impossible then. Um, but the two had had like kind of, they were writing letters back and forth. They had intermittent contact. And actually once in 1969, three years after he moved, Vivian went up to New Jersey to visit. But after that one visit, they completely lost touch because Jim was actually pursuing a career in radio. And so he had moved to Maryland for a new job. 
And Vivian said, I couldn't find him because back then we didn't have internet, Google, cell phones, none of that. Yeah, if we did, wow. it wouldn't have been a problem. So I couldn't, but I couldn't find him that way. And to make it even harder, Jim was like moving frequently, right? Because he was a new DJ. He was getting jobs, you know, as a DJ in one city. And then I think it's pretty common for people to move to a bigger market like every year or so. And so eventually, and also like making it even harder, he eventually changed his on-air name to Jim Starr and ended up in Nashville where he was on the radio actually until 2020. So after they lost touch, Vivian had a daughter, Larisse, and became an EMT trainer. She got married in 1990 and then divorced in 2005, but she says that she never forgot about Jim. Vivian would sometimes sit on the porch at her parents' house, the same porch where she and Jim often sat and watched the moonlight together, and she would wonder, what's Jim doing? But little did she know that this man named Jimmy Starr, who she sometimes listened to on the radio, was her Jim. She said that like she didn't recognize his now deeper voice and different last name, but she would sometimes listen to it. She said, I had no idea I was listening to the man I was in love with. Oh my um, God. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Cause he yeah. was, you know, he was a radio DJ. And so, so he had um, like one of those radio voices, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like, she's like, Hello. that's not the same guy. <laughs> that's that 18 year old Jim Spates that I knew. Weird. That's Jimmy star. <laughs> oh. Um, So Jim also never forgot Vivian. He says that any time he played or heard the song Respect by Aretha Franklin that he thought about her. Which I just think is like such a – I'm like, what a great song to have someone think about you. No kidding. You know? So Jim had also gotten married and later divorced. But then in August of 2020, Jim was considering retiring and he moved back to North Carolina. His friend asked him about his plans and Jim mentioned that he wanted to look up his high school sweetheart. So the friend helped him search for Vivian on Facebook, which Jim was just not on. And Jim said, when I saw her picture, my friend Danny sent to me, he said, Jim, I'm going to send you her picture. She's gorgeous. Let me know if it's the same woman. So he sent it to me and I said, oh my God, she is gorgeous. My friend, that's her. Oh my so the gosh. friend, yeah, the friend told Jim that he was going to look up more information, make sure that Vivian wasn't married. And if she wasn't, then he was going to send him um, her contact info. So Jim is at the point, he's like, I I have to get in touch with her. I've been thinking about her all these years. We're both single. Um, So instead, but instead of sending her a message on social media, Jim decided to do it the old fashioned way. He actually wrote her a handwritten letter and mailed it to her house. And in the letter, he made it one simple request. He said he just wanted to see her one more time. Aww. So Vivian's daughter was at home when the letter arrived. And so she called her mom at work and was like, "Uh, you have a letter from someone named Jim Spate? And Vivian said, I said, nah, I haven't heard from him in so long. That's not him. And Larice was like, mom, it's handwritten. It's not like a business like ad or anything. And so when Vivian got home, she found the letter and she was like, oh my God, it's him. And she immediately called him. He left his number in there and invited him to dinner And so a couple days later, he's at her door and she said, my heart was started beating really bad. Like I was going to pass out. But as soon as she saw his face, she like instantly the spark was there. She said, I grabbed him and hugged him and kissed him. And Jim says she took my breath away. (gasps) So the two were like instantly right back to where they were 50 years ago. They're like teenagers in love. But there was one thing that Vivian had to tell Jim before things progressed too far. So two days after that first meeting, when Jim came to her house, Vivian told Jim that her daughter, Larisse, was actually their daughter. What? And her two grandchildren were their two grandchildren because Vivian had become pregnant during that one visit that she made to Jim in 1969. Oh, my God. Yes. By the time she found out that she was pregnant, Jim had already moved (gasps) and then moved again, leaving her like no way to get in touch. Oh, my God. I know. So Vivian had moved home, like moved into her parents' house who helped her raise her daughter. But Vivian doesn't seem to hold like any kind of resentment for Jim not being there. Obviously, she never told him. So she can't be angry but she says she often i mean she told larice about him she often talked about him and how how much they were in love and jim says that when he told her that he had 
when sorry, Jim says that when she told him that he had a daughter, he says that was a breathtaking moment I'll never forget. He said that he was he was shocked to find out that he had a family that he never knew about, but that he is learning the role that a father plays in a daughter's life. So Jim and Vivian spent the next year falling deeper and deeper in love. And on September 18th, 2021, the two who are now 71 and 75 got married at Zion Baptist Church in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Oh, wow. I know. They both admitted that they were nervous before their big day, but it turned out to be a beautiful celebration. Jim said, of course I was very nervous. I was getting married to Vivian. Um, and Vivian said that it was had been like their relationship was frozen in time and had now defrosted. She said, I never thought that it would happen. This is such a blessing. And Jim says, I told her I'd be back, but I didn't know it was going to take 50 years to get back to her. Oh, my God. Isn't that sweet? Yes. Yeah. I love that. So there you go. It's like a, it's like a familiar story with a little twist. Love it. You're 75 and you're finding out you're a father. That is crazy. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, they got married and had this like built in like family and grandchildren, even. I know. Like, not just that's, I I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah. And just, yeah, the fact that like, you know, they were like, we couldn't find each other. And then, you know, it's like they were young and then you just kind of move on. And I, I mean, I'm just surprised. I'm, it's surprising that Vivian or Larice never really tried to find him. But I guess since he changed his name, there was really like, and his family wasn't from, um, they were from New Jersey. So it wasn't like he had family in the area. Yeah. So yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. But now they're married and they're so cute and I can't wait to post pictures of them. Oh, I can't wait to see it. All right. So should we do something dumb and something we love? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. Uh, I go first this week. Um, For something dumb. I, I don't know. I don't really have anything that dumb. I mean, just been a crazy busy week. But other than that, like, you know, life's pretty good. Yeah. Life's pretty good. Um, so I'm not going to – I don't really have anything for dumb. But um, yeah. for something I love, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out. My buddy's podcast, um, it's actually called Dear Buddies Podcast. So my friend uh, Mike Albanese, who I co-produced the Red Clay Comedy Festival with, good mm-hmm. friend, good pal – good bud he has a podcast that um just started and it's really funny it's really great it's with um other uh, he's a comedian it's with other two other comedians alex pavone and chris scopo they used to be roommates together and then they had a um podcast they used to have a podcast called uh, sweet buddies and now it's called dear buddies podcast and it's about um they're so funny together they're just ridiculous yeah. and it's them answering questions that like dudes don't normally talk like them talking about things dudes don't normally don't talk about like feelings and dating and stuff so it's really cute I love it yeah it's really great so um and they're so funny um so check them out it's called the dear buddies podcast I love it I'm subscribing right now do it well I love that well my something dumb and something I love um so this is kind of like all together and a little bittersweet but I so we were at um, Jekyll Island. I told you guys that last week. We were there over yeah. the weekend. Um, it was great. So nice. My um, my in-laws were there with us, and they're so great. Um, so nice to see them, especially since we had a very abbreviated Christmas when we had to escape because we got COVID um, and also gave them COVID. You know, you remember that for, for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um but so, yeah, so it was great to see them. And, but we were, we went to this arts festival. And so I was having this minute, like Max, he loves art and he's just at this stage where he, you know, he wants to try everything. And he was, every person that was offering demonstration, he would go do, he like did all of the things he didn't, he was not shy about asking people to let him try a thing. And he just is so curious. He's so um, cute. He's so cute. I just love him. And he's so just unapologetically himself. He has long hair. He wears pink. He wears like a million necklaces. He was wearing his PJs because that's what he wants to wear and kitty ears. And like, he doesn't care what anybody else thinks of him. You know, he's like just himself. And I love it so much. And I hope that 
you know, he can keep that. And, um, you know, we're at the, we're at this, there's like a band playing and he's like, let's go sit right up front. (laughs) So we had to sit right up front Uh and he's dancing and he's loving it. And I just had this moment of like, oh, I miss my mom. Like she would love him. I mean, she did love him, but she just, that was like who she was, right? Like she was the person who would like be the first person to get up and dance at like a festival or do, you know, do all the things. She was just like interested in stuff and always making people feel included. And I don't know, I just, she was like always herself. And I just am like, she would so appreciate Max. And it just, just made me sad. I just was like, oh, he's a reflection of her and that. So that made me happy. He makes me happy. I love that. But I was just like missing my mom this weekend. Just thinking like, yeah. Um, And is that a bummer to end on? No, I mean, it's, I'm sorry that you're missing your mom. I know that that's really hard. Um, um, but I, I love that you, um, did see, you know, your mom and Max. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, so it's like, you know, like you're not missing your mom because yeah. she's right there. And you know, she, was there a rainbow? There was no rainbow, but it was, there may have been one. It was raining. Maybe you didn't see it. Maybe I just didn't I'm see sure it. it was there. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And I always like, I always, you know, whenever I'm at the beach, which was like her favorite place. And yeah. it just, you know, makes me think of her. I always and like give her a little like, okay, hi. Here. <laughs> so yeah. So I was thinking about her a lot and just how much she would love, you know, just the little weirdo that Max is. And yeah. So great. Well, um, we all love the little weirdo that Max is. He's the yeah. best. He's, he's, a, he's a cool kid. <laughs> um, okay. So you guys reach out to us. You have a task. You have to let us know what your weird food combo is and we're going to put it to a vote. Yeah. And then maybe I also try it. We'll see. Um, and so get is this a new podcast where we just try weird food? I mean, okay. I mean, I'd be <laughs> fine with that. I'd be totally fine with that. All right. Yeah. I mean, we want to, we want to just eat food for a podcast. It sounds better than murders. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. It's a lot more palatable than talking about murder every week. Um, reach out. Let us know if you want to shift dumb love to dumb food combos. Um, I no. So you can find us on all the socials at Dumb Love Podcast. You can email us at dumblove at gmail.com. You can rate and review us wherever you can uh, and tell a friend. We would love that very much. We would. Um, thank you guys so much for listening and for everybody that's voting and reaching out and talking to us all the time. We love it. And uh, don't forget to get out there and do something dumb for love. Dumb, 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 dumb.